Joining us now, we have Alexandria from the Illuminate Festivals here to talk about what's planned for some some very fancy things you've got planned at the moment. Yes, hi, good morning, Lee. Um, Indeed, we've been running the Illuminate Festival now since last Wednesday, the 12th of February, going on until the 23rd, and we've got some really exciting events coming up this week. Um, In particular, uh, I'd like to mention the treasure, the eco-treasure hunt taking place at the John Lewis uh, store in Cambridge in uh, the Grand Arcade. And it's a wonderful collaboration uh, with John Lewis, first of all, but also with a local company called Blendology and it's going to be very exciting it's for the whole family there's some fabulous prizes to be won the prizes do look good so let's give it let's have a look at these prizes there's a there's DAB radio mm-hmm. and uh, what else have we got oh we've got um, many many things oh That's sorry <laughs> I led you up the garden path there my my <laughs> my things disappeared so we'll come back to that okay so um it's a very interesting thing. It's obviously taking place in half-term week, which is very good for all the families to get involved. Mm-hmm. So if they want to get involved, how do they go about it? Right. The events that we've got running are all on the website. So please check the, uh, the site, which is uh, www.e-luminatefestivals.co.uk. Uh, there are a number of events, and in particular, um, this week on Wednesday, we've got... Um, a number of things concentrated because we are doing a partnership with the University of Cambridge Museums and they are running the Twilight at the Museum event on that very night. So there's going to be a number of things in collaboration with them. In particular, I would like to mention too, we've been working closely with um, uh, with the museums for uh, the Sustainable Superheroes. Uh, it's a, a project about sustainability. We've been working with uh, local um, schools to um, inspire kids to think about uh, you know, sustainability but from the point of view of being superheroes what would you change and we have created a, uh, a wonderful video with uh, all their great ideas and it's going to be shown in very particular and fun way um, so you're going to have to work very hard for it and the idea is that uh, it's a cycle powered cinema just outside the Scott Polar Museum so please do um, get around to see it that's very very exciting and the other wonderful collaboration that we have done with uh, the university of cambridge museums is for planet of light which is uh, an installation uh, which collects hundreds of uh, local children drawings into a uh, huge projection onto the senate house front in um, king's parade so it all sounds very innovative. I haven't heard of anything like this going on in Cambridge for a long time. Is, is this the first to your knowledge that you're aware of this kind of thing going on? Yes, it is indeed. We're really proud of it. We've brought together uh, not just the wonderful technology that we have in Cambridge, but also uh, the arts and, uh, and they together, you know, arts meet technology, created some fantastic shows, uh, activities and installations throughout uh, town. It's quite an, quite a nice blend, arts and technology. It's very interesting. Um, I've got the got the list of prizes up here. So, Great. <laughs> first is the DAB radio. We've got a second an LED table lamp, mm. and we've got third uh, play school show camera. So, if you want to get involved with that, the Eco Treasure Hunt that's taking place down at John Lewis, Cambridge. That's in the Grand Arcade from twelve o'clock tomorrow. So, there's a lot to it. And how many people have been involved in putting this together? Has it been a big project or has it been a few people getting involved? A really big project. We've got a um, about 40 volunteers working on this. Plus, we collaborate with a number of, org- of organisations throughout town. So it's been really big and it's growing. 40 people and growing all the time. That's excellent stuff. So if you want to get involved, that's the Illuminate John Lewis Eco Treasure Hunt, Wednesday Grand Arcade from 12 o'clock. And it all sounds quite science fiction. Have you had any people that go up to you or said anything that sounds, oh, that's a bit odd, or anything like that? Or has it been actually received in the public by, received by the public as being quite good? 
very, very positive feedback. We had a couple of hiccups due to the really bad weather. Unfortunately, a couple of installations could not take place or kind of worked only for a little bit, in particular the, um, the Senate <laughs> Focus House. on the good things. <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed one of those things. We had the worst weather <laughs> in decades and uh, we really had to learn to cope with it. Uh, but the majority of installations are out there for everyone to see. So, give us a quick rundown overview in case anyone's missed that sure well the first of all the focal point i'd say it's king's parade with a wonderful installation from susie oaksack in collaboration with uh, pulsar lighting and anagram production and then i've just mentioned on the same um patch the um planet of light from the projection studio and panasonic Uh, but at the guild hall we have a very interactive game of knots and crosses courtesy of uh, um, light motif and novellia and sponsored by tt group. We also have um, many other installations uh, uh, Solar Car in the Grand Arcade which is only going to stay until the end of the day today so Ooh, please do be rush and see it exactly thanks to the Cambridge University Eco Racing uh, Car Group and uh, we have um, an installation on the side of the uh, John Lewis on the Downing Street window which is all about time it's a very exciting uh, site as well. So many things around town please visit the website or pick up a map on at the uh, tourist office excellent so that's alexandria from the illuminate festivals thank you for joining us here on cambridge 105 thank you lee from 10 till 1 mid mornings with phil rowe Have a say about your neighbourhood and get things done. That's what the website says that I've been on to to have a good look around. It's shapeyourplace.org. My guest uh, on the Wednesday mid-morning show in the studio with me right now is Ashley Whitaker, the Cambridge Engagement Officer for Shape Your Place. Uh, Shape Your Place is a website designed to help you improve your neighbourhood. It's supported by Cambridgeshire County Council. And having started in the north of the county, originally in the Wisbeach area, it worked its way through uh, the various areas of the county, including Fenland and other areas. Uh, It's now live in Cambridge, and it went live with uh, South Cambridgeshire at the same time. In June of last year, I found out from Ashley this morning. We're going to find out how now, how you can contribute content to that site and exactly what that site's all about. Ashley, very good morning to you. Thanks for coming into the show. Hello. Nice to see you. So uh, you've been uh, working on this project for how long yourself? I joined the Shape Your Place team back in April last year. Um, I'm also the community engagement officer for the Huntingdonshire pages. Um, And as you said, Cambridge went live in June. So I've been juggling the two of those as two part-time posts for almost a year now. So, which started first? Huntingdon would have started before Cambridge, I guess. Yes, Huntingdonshire is over a year old now, and yep, Cambridge is pretty new, and it's picked up quite well so far. So, lots of funding from Cambridgeshire County Council, which in this, uh, as the economic climate is at the moment, they could see that this initiative was a good one to fund. Uh, must have started the funding probably about 18 months ago originally to get it going in the north of the county up towards Fenland and Wisbeach and as it's worked its way down. Where are you actually based yourself? Is it Shire Hall? I'm not really based anywhere. I float about in Huntingdonshire and Cambridge City. Um, I hot desk around Shire Hall now and again. Um, but as an engagement officer, I'm out and about meeting local people and community groups and volunteer groups and the like all over the city. That's good to know because you think that uh, sometimes uh, officers like yourself are in ivory towers, so to speak. <laughs> Probably members of the public think so. Can't really, they're not get atable people in the nicest sense of being able mm. to really directly engage with you because you are perhaps all day long in some, some little little basement area or wherever you happen to be uh, with just perhaps a small window out on the, on the world but sitting behind a keyboard and not actually uh, amenable uh, to people. So that's good to know. So a lot of your week then is, is spent driving around. You... It is. Well, I cycle around the city. Yes. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Usually. And public transport is something I know that uh, uh, the county council likes its uh, employees to do as much as possible. So presumably yes. it's guided busway, is it, over to Huntingdon? We Oh, over to Huntingdon. And we, yeah, we do get a lot of conversations about transport and cycling especially on the Cambridge site Um, so it's a really good place to raise your issues and 
give us some ideas about how we might improve. Yeah, so we need to go into depth, really, to tell mm-hmm. everybody, the listeners, exactly what Shape Your Place is about and what it does. Mm-hmm. Now, if you go on the website, the first thing to do is, I guess, go into a search engine and put in Shape Your Place or one word. Yeah. And you will, you should be able to hit the website, shapeyourplace.org. Is uh, Cambridgeshire the only... Um, a local authority which is, has taken up the initiative and using the branding of Shape Your Place or is it... Uh... Yep, Shape Your Place is Cambridgeshire only. As far as I know last I checked we're the only authority to be doing something like this as well so it's it's pretty forward thinking of Cambridgeshire. It's quite unique to us last time I checked. <laughs> we don't like to commend uh, local authorities or give them a round of applause for too, for too many things but this is this sounds very a very positive thing. Um, I've actually had some training on the, for in another world uh, on the Shape Your Place website when it was still quite fledgling still quite new and it was still being rolled out from the north of the county downwards and one of the things i saw when i first uh, went on the site at that time the biggest rant in the north of the county because we'd had that very harsh winter a year ago we were coming out of that only really very late in march and april and it was the state of our roads and uh, one of the very first big topics up there was a rant about potholes now, what kind of things here in Cambridge are the, the usual things that people would uh, want to get on to discuss with you? Maybe not necessarily rants. Are there sometimes positive things we get, being said? We get a lot of positive ideas about just small little things local people feel could really improve their community and things you'd only really know if you lived here. Maybe council offices might not necessarily pick up on. Um, so on the front page today, we've got a community notice board and bus timetable down Cherry Hinton Road. Someone thinks that'll be a good idea. And we do get a lot of highways and transport questions as well. And it's it's the potholes thing where you'd know about it if you lived down that road. So let us know about it so we can try and do something for you. Because it might not necessarily mean that the local authority knows about this or indeed your local councillor. No, this yes. Is, this is your way. So Tell this us. really, yes. So Shape Your Place is exactly that. Your little portal, uh, members of the public, to get your views, ideas, indeed your criticisms or indeed your praises Mm -hmm. up to a higher level in local authority. Yep. Hopefully get something done as well. Yes. (laughs) As it goes along. Uh, So um, you have to register, presumably, to use the site. No, no No? need to register at all. You don't need a Facebook or a Twitter account or anything. You just need an email address. So that's um, while the site was being developed, we asked the question, would you like it or loathe it if you needed to register and it came back clearly we don't want to have to register so we've kept it that way and it's just hit the big green have your say button and fill out the blogger form with your email address and that's all you need to do and as you hit the home page you find that it breaks out from there you get links into the different parts of the county that you happen to be in yes. so if i logged in in chatteris or Littleport, then mm-hmm. hopefully i'd find uh, east cambridgeshire for Littleport, wouldn't i in chatteris yes. i suppose i'd find fenland so there's one for cambridge itself mm-hmm. uh, not broken down quite so much it just clearly says cambridge and of course south cambridgeshire because a lot of the listeners are just outside uh, the city yes. in the south cambridgeshire area as well what so what actually so you're pretty much the person on the other end receiving all these comments i uh, am yeah and mm-hmm. quite prolifically you uh, you're very good because you thank everyone for them i notice very well that would be our moderator we have the human moderator um one member you? of staff her name is helen oh, um yes. has had it written into her existing job description so she's the single person who will review all the comments all the blog posts all the videos to make sure we don't have any bad language or the mm-hmm. likes um so that's why things don't go immediately live on the site they all go through helen first so they'll go up hopefully within one working day unless she's been inundated when um, i knew you were coming on the show ashley i uh, went on the cambridge part of the uh, shapeyourplace.org website mm-hmm. and uh, the the sort of subject of the day was uh, the flying of flags on shire hall up on castle hill yes when are they flown what which flags <laughs> are flown on what particular days yes. and so it's that kind of question which and, and then somebody came back and said well you know on uh, I think it was uh, Saint, I think the flag of St LGBT George. History Month we had That's right. and that was the question yeah so it doesn't necessarily need to be a rant or a specific idea it could just be asking for more information about a decision that's already been taken and whether we need a further conversation about a decision that was taken a long time ago and perhaps might need to be reviewed so it's just putting your ideas forward and seeing if the rest of the population think we need to do something about it as well. And that comment about the flags was more inquisitiveness, really. Yeah. It was, in, but then the person I think then came back and said, "Well, you know, why aren't they flying flying the Union flag on a certain day? Yeah. Um, and when does the European Union flag fly? Which I think is on Europe Day, which, which is also done from Shah Hall, I think, if I remember. I think so. 
So, um, what I mean, what would you say would be the most popular uh, subject? Is it is it the state of our roads, pavements? It, we do get a lot of highways questions, but the nice thing about the site is a, lo- a lot of community groups um, come on and just tell us about the work they do and highlight opportunities for local people. So we've got new funding been released for youth groups and Health Watch Cambridgeshire have come on asking for views on their on their own website. They've signposted to it through Shape Your Place. So the most popular posts are the interesting ones with video and photo content about what's going on where you live. So we're able to post. Uh, so if we see something like a leaning tree and we think that's really over the highway, yeah. but it's not on my boundary, it actually was something put there by the local authority mm-hmm. on the highway, so it's on the piece of grass between, say, the pavement and my boundary, but it doesn't really look safe to me, mm-hmm. and it's been caught by, I don't know, the double-decker buses that come by. So I could post that picture up then and, and comment on yeah. that and say, look at this, this doesn't look exactly. right at all to me. Yeah, that, and you might not know whether that needs to be your parish, your district, or your county council, so we'll find that out for you and signpost the right person to come and have a word with you and see what can be done about it. So, yeah, raising issues about things that are where you live. So, although this is really under the mantle of the county council, mm-hmm. can we also address any issues on this site that would go to the district councillor yes. or the parish councillor, for instance? We are um, signed up partners with all the district councils and the city council, the police and the fire service, and Healthwatch have just come on board recently. So, we're all in a service level agreement together. So, if an issue comes up, whoever it relates to, we've got 10 working days to get back to you. So, whether that's the district or the county or the police or all of the above, sometimes it does take a few bodies to get together and decide how to tackle an issue. You mentioned um, we'll um, find the right person for you. That's good. You mentioned Health Watch there, Ashley. Mm-hmm. What what is that? I, I have to. I'm sort of asking on behalf of the listeners. That I... Health Watch is a relatively new body, from what I understand, and it's designed to improve the way health and social care is delivered in the area, as far as I understand. Mm-hmm. I noticed it's one of the badges that's um, motifed, if you like, at the bottom of the homepage yeah. of the website. There's, as you say, partner- partnering with Cambridgeshire Constabulary, yeah. obviously the County Council. So funding for this, it's obviously, I think, a very important project. I, I can't think of a more visible way um, of getting your comments to the local authorities. So if you do have a point, if you have a, a rant or indeed a, a good comment, then it, this seems to me to be the ideal portal for everyone. What, so? what do we do if um, we're, I don't know, I'm not say necessarily an older person, but if we don't have a computer, is there any other way that we can get hold of you? I mean, most it's obviously an online experience for most people these days. Most yeah. people know how to use a computer and have access to one. But is there any other way that uh, we could get hold of you if we wanted to other than using a computer Well, if you visited one of the libraries, for example, we work closely with all the libraries, so if you're interested in getting hold of us and raising an issue, you might be able to find help there. But if you would like to learn more about how you can contact your local authority in this way, then I do um, something called community reporter training, which can be as in-depth or as simple as you like, and I can just show you how to raise an issue or create a blog post on the site. Um, so if, again, if you just click the big green have your say button, say, help me, I'd like to know some more, then we'll get in contact with you. And if you're a person who perhaps is not quite so computer literate, you can get lots of help in the library anyway from people who can show you how to use the yes, computer like the and guide you engaged through. Yes, I get a mention for those as I'm one of those anyway. <laughs> uh, but thanks, Ashley. It's pretty much uh, run out of time now, but thanks uh, very much. Uh, obviously, s- just a couple of comments, I suppose, really. Social media is very important, though. Mm-hmm. So uh, you get a lot of uh, tweets in. Uh, yes. Is it done that way? And we you have are a Facebook on Twitter page. and we are on Facebook. Um, yeah. So we're just at Shape Your Place on Twitter and you can find us by searching Shape Your Place on Facebook and that's all the county's news from all of our Shape Your Place sites goes up on Facebook and Twitter if you'd like to have a bit of a broader look at what's on all of our sites. <laughs> and uh, finally, the, the future for Shape Your Place is a fairly broad question. Uh, funding assured for the team going forward? Well, and we're co-funded by the county council. Nothing's changed as far as I know um, in, in recent recent weeks or days. Um, but, yeah, we're going ahead. It's great to see you. Thank, Thank you. you for coming in, Ashley. That's uh, Ashley Whitaker, the uh, Cambridge Engagement Officer for Shape Your Place. Afternoons with Matt Webb. Cambridge 105. 
So our guest this afternoon is Jenny Corris. She's been selected to represent Wales in the shooting at the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow in July. And Jenny trains at the Gogs in Cambridge. So good afternoon, Jenny. Thank you much for hi. Thank you for having me coming on into show. Cambridge One Hundred and Five. And uh, just to start the uh, just to start the interview off, tell us a bit about your background and where did it all start for you in the world of shooting? Um, well, I first started shooting some fifteen years ago at the age of eleven, just as an activity at school. Um, I kind of built on from there, going through the juniors, going through, and then into the seniors, competing at now World Cups, Europeans, and this year I've been selected for my third Commonwealth Games, which is really exciting. So, did you have to fund your early stages y- yourself? On and off, I've had to fund the whole of my shooting career. Sometimes there's funding available for a few months a year, but a lot of the time you're on your own. But at the moment, I'm lucky to have the support of Sports Wales in the run-up to the games. Wonderful stuff. And uh, unfortunately, you were hampered by injury in Melbourne during 2006. Must have been devastating for you, but I suppose there's also the psychological fight that you have to get over after such an injury. Yeah, I had a sprained ankle during the Games, which obviously didn't really help my performance while I was there. But um, that's behind me now, so fit and raring to go ready for Glasgow. (laughs) So you're very much looking forward to it then. I am, yes. (laughs) And what was it like to get the phone call to say that you'd been called up to represent your country Wales at uh, at the Commonwealth Games? It must have been quite special. It's always special. In some ways it was expected because I knew the results and I knew I'd qualified. But having it on that piece of paper is always that bit more reassuring that you know you're going. So who was the first person you told when you got the news? Well, you're not actually allowed to tell anyone for a few not? weeks. You have to wait till it's officially publicised. Oh, right, OK. So <laughs> my family's and my friends knew, though. OK, wonderful stuff. And uh, back in December, you were involved in an air rifle competition in Luxembourg. Tell us about that and how it went for you. Um, I had a competition out in Luxembourg just before Christmas and had a couple of silver medals there. I'd just come back from a competition in Holland where I got a couple of fourth places, which was a bit disappointing. But um, these are just warm-up matches ready for... We've got the Europeans in a couple of weeks' time and, of course, the Commonwealth Games in August, so they're the main names. So tell us a little about your, a bit about your preparation for the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow because I was reading on the internet that you have to attend uh, monthly training camps. Tell us a bit about that. Yep, it was a bit of a horrible drive-down on Friday night, but we had a training weekend in Cardiff this weekend, trained Saturday, Sunday, come, came back Sunday evening ready for work on Monday. So it's quite a tough schedule, but it's really good to train as a team train as a group because you were talking to me off air that you obviously work full time as well so yes. fitting it all into a very packed schedule must be very difficult yeah i work full time at the Cam- university of cambridge working in the lab so luckily my boss is quite forgiving i use my holidays to take my time off shooting but it's always a juggling act to get in the training and to get in a bit of downtime in between so have you got the dates in which you'll be shooting at the Commonwealth Games yet? Um, not for definite yet because I haven't had my events confirmed. There's up to three events which I could compete in, which is the women's air rifle, prone rifle and free position rifle. But we've got still got to wait to confirm which ones of those, if all of them, I'll be in. And uh, you train in Cambridge uh, at, the, at the Gogs and uh, you must have some fantastic people training you and, and looking after you there. They're all really lovely and friendly there. They've all looked after me so well. I've now been in Cambridge for three years and I'm also lucky enough to train alongside Larissa Sykes who is in the running to be selected for the England team in Glasgow. So that'll be brilliant to have my training buddy there. Will there be some rivalry if she gets selected? There's always rivalry but it's friendly rivalry. Um the whole of my life I've competed against my twin sister who's also on the Welsh team going up to Glasgow so it's nice to have somebody to train somebody to push you which I have in Larissa while I train in Cambridge so it's a bit of a family affair then for you it is yeah <laughs> and uh, you are on Twitter if someone wants to follow you and uh, keep up to date with you what's your what's your Twitter yep, address follow me Jenny number four and then hundred in words well Jenny it's been a fantastic talking to you and the best of luck at the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow and let's hope you come away with a at least a bronze medal but hopefully a gold medal as well hopefully I'll be on that podium <laughs> not on the top well we're looking out for you thank, thank you, you very, very much. much thanks Afternoons with Matt and Ellen So it is the Brit Awards this evening and I'm pleased to say that uh, joining us on the line at the moment is uh, Sky News entertainment reporter Joe McCulchuk and he's at the O2 in London. A very good afternoon, Joe. Thank you very much for joining us on uh, Cambridge 105. No problem at all. Afternoon. Uh, Good afternoon. So uh, starting with the uh, best British female, the best female artist, there's uh, quite a few nominations, aren't there? Yeah, uh, best female is quite interesting, actually. Uh, You've got Birdie, Laura Marling. uh, You've got Laura Mvula, who's the critic's favourite. You might recognise her at the BAFTAs on Sunday night where she 
uh, sung with Tiny Temper, and Tiny Temper, of course, high-fived uh, Prince William. Then you got those old stalwarts like Ellie Golding and Jesse J are up for that as well. I spoke to both of them over the last week or so, and it's, it's really interesting. Usually at these award things, they say it's just great to be nominated, and, and that's prize in itself. But both Ellie Golding and Jesse J said they're in it to win it. So it, it's going to be an interesting category. Will the Brits go for sort of the old guys that we all heard of, like Ellie Golding or Jesse J, or will they go for these younger artists uh, you know, really uh, on the cusp of greatness at the moment. And if they a win today, it would just catapult them into that next level, wouldn't it? That's brilliant. And then what about the performances? Because there's rumours that Beyonce is this year. That'll be exciting if she does. Has that yeah, been confirmed? Yeah, I've been confirmed? doing a little bit of digging around. Uh, Beyonce, well, everyone's saying she's not going to turn up or they don't know, but they're doing it with a smile on their face and a wink. So I think probably 100% you could say even that Beyonce will be performing tonight. Uh, also, as well, you've got Prince. He spent the last couple of weeks turning up basically in tiny bars in Soho. So it would have been a bit of a, a failure, really, if the Brits hadn't snagged him. But he's going to be performing. Also going to be presenting the first award of the night as well with his band Third Eyed Girl. And really, like you say, the Brits is always about the performances, isn't it? Collaborations, they're a really tightly kept secret. Uh, but we've mentioned Beyonce, also confirmed Katy Perry is here, Pharrell Williams, Ellie Golding, Bruno Mars and Bastille, who actually lead the nominations. They've got four, so it promises uh, to be an amazing show tonight. Absolutely, and there's also the uh, best group category, uh, Arctic Monkeys, as you say, Bastille in there as well, and One Direction too. Yeah, One Direction, uh, they're up for two, two prizes, best single and uh, best video that, uh, are voted for by Twitter and on a phone vote. So, you know, three guesses where those prizes uh, are going to go because of the massive following that One Direction have. But actually, best uh, the Arctic Monkeys you mentioned there, quite an interesting one as well. They could make Brits history tonight with a hat trick. They're up for best group and best album. In fact, only three bands have ever won both awards twice. Do you know who they are? Uh, you might know, Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't actually know. You put me on the spot. Oh, there we go. Uh, unsurprising, one of them is the Arctic Monkeys, and you've got Coldplay and oh, Manic Street Creatures as well. So if the Arctics get that third win, it would be Brits history. The Arctics also will open the show, so it's going to be a massive night for those boys. That's going to be so good. And then about the um, international males, they're nominated. We've got Drake, Bruno Mars, Eminem, Justin Timberlake. That's a big, big category. Big, big category. Bruno Mars is performing tonight, which leads me to suspect he'll probably go home with the awards. Mm. Uh, I don't think Eminem are here. I think Justin Timberlake is uh, meant to turn up as well. So, yeah, I mean, massive names. And when you look at Best International Female as well, you've got Janelle Monet, you've got Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, Lord Pink. It just goes to show, when you see these huge American stars, these massive music stars, that the Brits really, just year on year, gets bigger and bigger, and it is now only second to the Grammys is the most important night in the music calendar. I know, it's amazing. And then the Critics' Choice, am I right in thinking we've got a winner and is that Sam Smith? Yeah, that's right. That's the, that's the award that um, is always uh, awarded when the nominations are announced. Sam Smith walked away with it this year. You know, it's a really big award uh, to pick up when you think of like past winners, people like Adele, uh, Florence the Machine. Uh, you know, all these uh, massive names who who have really got their success from winning the Critics' Choice Award. So Sam Smith is a name that you're going to hear more and more of this year. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And there's a lot of talk about Mr David Bowie as well, Joe. Yeah, uh, Bowie, uh, yeah, he could win his first Brit, in fact, 30 years after he won uh, his last, his first one, sorry, nearly 20 years since, um, since he last won a Brit Award. So... He, he's in an interesting category. He's up for better male solo artists alongside Jake Bug, John Newman, James Blake, Tom O'Dell as well, who won Critics' Choice Award, in fact, last year. And, you know, he, the, the money is on him, and it'll be a massive turnaround, it'll be a massive uh, award for Bowie, and it'll just show that even though it's got a really fresh look, the Brits this year, there's life in some old dogs yet. Yeah, am I right in thinking if he does manage to win it, isn't he going to be the oldest one to win it? Take that from Tom Jones and be the eldest? I think that's... <laughs> I'm not quite sure you've outstatted me there. Have the I? It, it, certainly, <laughs> it, it certainly wouldn't surprise me because, I mean, he's got to be knocked out a bit, hasn't he? He's got to be in his 50s now, David Bowie. So, um, so yeah, you know, it's good. You know, the Brits should celebrate fresh, new British music, but it also should look at uh, the, the massive artists yeah. of the past because, of course, you know, there's no one better is there than Britain and dishing out massive world superstars and uh, all through the years. And it's right we celebrate 
the older artists too. No, exactly. It's brilliant. So, have you seen any of the uh, big artists? Have they arrived yet, or are they still uh, flocking in from uh, from from the uh, various different airports at the moment? No. Um, well, we're right next to City Airport here at London's O2, um, so I'm guessing some of them will come up there. But no, uh, the red carpet doesn't officially start till four fifteen which will mean you'll get a load of TOWIE stars coming up at 4.15, <laughs> maybe a few made in Chelsea lot thrown uh, in. And then the really big names will be all coming some massive, uh, all at the same time, about half past six. Red car- carpet closes at seven, so uh, we're going to have to wait a, a-, a bit for the, uh, the big names here. Joe McCulchuk, Sky News Entertainment reporter. Thank you very much for joining us on the line, and uh, it's going to be a star-studded lineup. and <laughs> I wonder if you've got your uh, very starry glasses on to do some reporting later. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank you very much. So that was uh, that was uh, Sky News's entertainment reporter Joe McColchick there reporting live for us from the O2 Arena ahead of the Brit Awards tonight. Right, I've been joined in the studio now by uh, Keith Smith, CEO of the Ferry Project. Of course, they're running a homeless shelter in uh, Wisbeach. Very good morning to you. Good morning, man. Thank you for coming in. So, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm CEO. I was the person who started the Ferry Project 15 years ago. Um, I have five children. They're okay. all grown up now. And the youngest is 18 at university in Leicester. Studying? Um, uh, English and American studies. Okay, fantastic. So, let me ask you then, why did you start it up? Okay, we started it up because in Wisbeach back in the 90s, there was um, a significant homeless problem that nobody was dealing with. No, the local authority wasn't doing anything about it. So it was Wisbeach Churches together, got together to um, help homeless people, get them off the street, try and support them back into a, a new life. Okay, because uh, I don't know the area very well. well um, um, how many people are there actually in Wisbeach itself? Is it quite a large community? No, no it's only 22,000 Wisbeach, and then you've got the surrounding villages. So it's a little rural market town. The surrounding villages add another 50,000 to the population. The next town is March, which is 12 miles away. Kingsland, you know, nearly 20 way. miles away. Peterborough, 26 miles away. So it sits in the middle of um, rural England. It used to make a lot of fruits, grow a lot of fruit. Now it's wheat and barley and oilseed rape and all that type of stuff. So, so um, you probably have the details but like kind of from the point of view of going on to homelessness is that's why we're here about today yeah. um so you run is it a homeless homeless a shelter is that correct is that the right term i'm using okay well ferry project so yeah. we help homeless people yep and over the years then so when we started 300 quid 11 volunteers and we basically had an idea that we needed to house people we stuck them into a flat and gave them a bit of support um, and that didn't work too well so, so over that time we've now developed a night shelter which has 12 beds and gives emergency accommodation overnight then we've also got um, a hostel 24 beds where we support people and actually help them to get their lives back on track move on accommodation 40 pieces of move on accommodation where people can try the skills of learning how to manage their own property again and throughout all that we give them education we give them volunteering opportunities training to try and help them stay off the street the whole point is you you can get into a cycle where people just go back onto the street homeless 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 so our organization is all about equipping people giving them the opportunity to get free to become themselves again to be independent live their life we have a a logo helping the homeless with love and support towards independence that's what we're about so, what is the main in, in in the area you're in, Wisbeach? What is the main thing that kind of I know it's quite difficult to drill down to. What's the main thing that you find causes homelessness? Is it lack of money, lack of jobs? Is it a mix of things? What's kind of the, the biggest thing that fa- that people are facing yeah. at the moment? The, the biggest the biggest reason why people end up homeless is family breakdown. So that can be a whole range of things from your know, parents dying, for a, a, a partner. Um, a breakup of relationship. It can be the fact that younger, some people just didn't cope with a loss of a, of a indi- key individual in their lives. And then it's how they respond to that. So in some cases, it might be our relationship breaks down, we were sharing a home, you leave, I can't afford the house anymore, I'm on the street. Um, but in other cases, parents still kick teenagers out of homes because they haven't, they've got pregnant. Um, other people, um, it's mental health, so they lose somebody, they don't know how to cope, and they do things like um, they get bills and they stick them in drawers and just hide things away and run away from the world. But unfortunately, the world catch up with them. They end up in becoming homeless. Um, and you can go on. It could also be somebody with a mild learning difficulty. So their friends exploit them. 
they take benefits off them and so they end up in debt and don't realize you know what's going on so there's a whole series of things and then alongside that in Wisbeach we have the whole issue about migrant workers who are being exploited by local gang masters and and people they come to England assuming there's a job because they've been told there is um, and when they get here there is no job and they've just left without anything or they get um, a job where they get 12, 14 hours employment a week, get a bit of pay. Um, but the guy actually traps them into um, into being indebted to him. So he gives them a bit of money to pay their rent or whatever. Um, they then try and pay the loan back, but he only ever gives them 14, 15 hours a week. So they continually become more and more indebted and they be effectively become slaves. So they're stuck in, they're stuck in, in a cycle. Okay. And because I think the thing about that is, is that a lot, I mean, you hear about it an awful lot in the papers and in the press, and we even cover it here on 105 Breakfast every now and then as well. But you don't realise the, the, the enormity of the problem. Absolutely. Is that something that is quite, quite hate set common nowadays, especially uh, around here? Yeah, yeah, there's, so, you know, we help over 300 people a year, and they come from a range of backgrounds. Um, the majority of our clients are Indigenous, English, but we also help migrants, we help the whole population. And it is common. 300 people in a small town like Wisbeach is a lot of people needing support. That is an awful lot of people, because I was shocked when I saw the figures. So, why are you here today? What's exactly the reason why you came to see us today here at one of our Okay, breakfast? well, I mentioned that we have a 12-bedded emergency night shelter. That's been funded for over the last three years by different pots of central government funding. Um, unfortunately, that funding has now come to an end. And at the end of March, we will have no money to run the night shelter. Um, we as an organisation try and raise all our own income, but it's very difficult to do that for a night shelter. We can't sell things or whatever. So at this moment, the night shelter is going to shut on the 31st of March, and all the people that we've housed in the night shelter will be homeless. Now, in a year, we average supporting 145 people. So the, ch the, the prospect is for Wisbeach that over the next year, 145 people will be on the streets of Wisbeach. And there'll be no support, support. There'll be no support right. there at all? Nothing. Nothing at all. And so I'm assuming you've gone to the local, the local, local, well, local government, national government, you've gone for, for funding and grants. What's going on there? What are the messages when you're going out there? Okay, so yeah, you're absolutely right. We've gone to all the agencies and, and we've been to central government and, and they've said, well, you know, we're in a period of austerity that we haven't got any additional funding to be able to give to you. We've gone to Cam's County Council. They've been very supportive. They say, we, we recognise the work you're doing, but I'm sorry, we're in a state of austerity. We, our funding's being cut. We have no money. Gone to the police. They have no resources. The district council, again, these are all very supportive of us. I've got quotes and things that, where they say what great work we're doing but they haven't got money. Fenland, they gave us £5,000 towards what we're doing, but £5,000 is, is just a drop in the ocean. What, what, what's it kind of cost on average to run your services like this then? I mean, okay. you know, it's quite, quite expensive, I imagine, manning it and, and running it and fueling it and all the rest it, of it. Yes and no. So, the simply put, it's um, for the night shelter, it's £40 a night for a person. So, if you compare that with a local bed and breakfast in Cambridge, nothing. Um, it's, it's nothing. But that gives them support as well. It gives them food. It gives them the bed. If you look at it over a year, 40, the £40 a night works out at £130,000. And that's for one person? No, that's for the whole organisation. Okay. The whole night shelter be kept going, £130,000. Um, but one person, one night, 40 quid. Okay, all right then. So, £40, that's a meal out. That's a meal out for two, let's say, in a, yep. in a, in a restaurant. So... How can we help? How can people who are listening help? How can we get more involved in supporting you? Because a lot, a lot of people are guilty of this, and even I am to a point where you see someone on the street or you see a, a homeless charity and you think, well, I already give to, let's say, some of the national charities. Right. What can they do to help support you? Okay, so in our area, for us, simply, um, the easiest thing, I, I know it sounds... Um, like everybody else, but we need at this moment we need money. Yeah. We have a crisis. You've got we need six money. weeks, haven't you? We've got six weeks before we shut. Um, we have a website which is www.ferryproject.org.uk. There's a donate button. If you are able to, even if it's five pounds, one pound, whatever, if you go there, press the donate button and give whatever you can. That will help us to get to the sixty thousand. Um, once we've saved the night shelter, if people want to come along and volunteer, if people want to donate food and items of clothing, we have lots of people who help us in that way, then that's all great. But at this moment, it's the key thing the is money. cash, because we need the building, we need the trained staff to actually support people to get them off the streets. Okay, so you really are running very close to, 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 to time. How, how long have you, have you been, have you had this warning up in advance, or is it like a very last minute thing that government have gone, no, sorry, we can't help you? How, how long ago have you known about this? Okay. So our funding, so what's been happening is that um, we knew that the, f the existing funding stream would end 
um, at the end of March, right? And we've been coming up with a solution ourselves. We're a social enterprise, so we're trying to earn our own money. So we're creating a printing business. Um, and that printing business is in its early stages. So we've done um, several jobs now. We've earned about £2,000, but they all take time. So we're trying to create our own solution. What we assumed, and wrongly now, is that when we turned to the other government agencies... Um, that they would come back with funding for us. And we approached them all, and basically what's happened is each of them in turn has said, I'm sorry, we can't help. Go to this one. We go to them. We've applied for various uh, charitable pots. They've said, sorry, we can't help. And it's all about the fact that there's loads and loads of people all going for the same money. Yes. Every, you know, so gradually this whole process has emerged, um, and it's only in the last couple of weeks that we've had um, some key players who've said, sorry, we can't help. And now we realise that we've, the shortfall is here. That's it. Absolutely. So apart from, 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 from local people just putting their hands in their pockets to give them what they can afford, is there is there anywhere else anywhere else that you've you anywhere else you want to appeal to as such to go to get help from? Are they like being like crowdfunding and that kind of thing? Have you looked into that kind of thing? I know crowdfunding is slightly different because that's more like a loan, isn't it? Yes, than, that's than, right. than anything else. But is there like anything else that people can do or people who are listening who maybe know someone who can help? Okay, well the other things that people can do would be things I know these traditional like coffee mornings, but in your factory, okay, so Wisbeach has loads and loads of food factories. We've been trying to approach the food factories to say, can you help us? You know, there's, they, they, I know they're tight themselves, but they have money. £60,000 for them is not a lot. Um, so we go to them, we've been going to them, but we've not heard anything. So any factories, any businesses, you know, that they that could give us one or £2,000, that would be wonderful. Um, and certainly for anybody going forward, if anybody wants printing, if they put it our way, um, we'd be very happy to do that. If you want to come to Wisbeach and buy stuff in our shop, or go into the cafe and use the cafe in Wisbeach, which we operate, um, that would again help us. So there's, there's those types of things, but the amount of money over this short period of time, it's, it's getting a bit urgent, as you say. I can understand that. All right, well, thank you. Do stick around. We'll have more of a chat very shortly, if that's OK with you. So I've been joined, of course, by Keith Smith, the CEO of The Ferry Project. Thank you for coming in, Keith, today. Um, so before we carry on, I suppose one thing I do want to ask you about is you probably might know about them is the FLAC, the homeless charity in Cambridge. Now, of course, they like you are suffering suffering mm-hmm. immensely. In fact, they announced yesterday that they um, decided it was no longer viable. Uh, FLAC, of course, was established in two thousand and ten with a mission to help vulnerable adults in Cambridge. Um, of course, they're now planning to help uh, beneficiaries find alternative means of support. Is that something you may be able to to, to look at supporting people as well? I know they're slightly out of your area, but is there somewhere that you might be able to contact them and have a discussion with them about what they're going through? Yeah, well, we 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 work with an awful lot of partners across the whole area so we work with Jimmy's Night Shelter yep. in Cambridge um, I hadn't actually heard much about FLAC although um, as far as I'm aware they're more of a mental health charity they are but they also provide um, people with the opportunity to, to help if they are homeless on the streets to, to, to get money they sell the FLAC magazine ah, right, on yes. the street as well which is an alternative to the big issue which is a local magazine yep. um, which I, I find is actually very informative right. and it's more local so maybe worth checking them out as Absolutely. well so you come in today because you're facing a funding gap at 60,000 is that correct? yeah that will keep us going till the end of 2014 um, and yeah we're looking to try and fill that gap by any way that we can Okay, all right then. Uh, so my next question for you really is what percentage of what you've got your fundraising for yep. is going towards paying for people and what percentage is going towards your costs on building and on rent and all the rest of that? Okay, so the majority of the money that we're asking for is to pay staff. So as I said before, the key for us is that we don't want to just keep perpetuating people being homeless. We need people to be supported to become free of that, get them off the streets, actually change people's lives. So the majority of our money goes to pay staff who can do that job, and that's about 80%, and then the other, the rest is 20%. Some of it's food, so we give them a supper, we give them a breakfast, and then we've got 15% or so that's actually on the accommodation costs, which is water, electricity, the building that we rent, and so on. So the majority of what we're, set, we're asking for is to pay the staff that will help the clients become I'll free them from homelessness. So you're, you're, yeah, that's that's where your main money coming from. And can I ask who your your partner is on, on where you're renting? Okay, so um, Ferry Project has as part of the Luminous Group. So the Luminous Group is um, a group of companies based in Huntingdon, a housing association. We have a very similar ethos with themselves, um, and the whole idea that we're trying to do is make a difference in the world that we're in. We're trying to um, change the world for the better, and Ferry Project's doing that with homeless people. Luminous Group tries and does it with its with its tenants. 
Okay, and I suppose working with all the local housing associations out there, I know housing yep. stocks at the moment are very, very, very squeezed. Yeah. Um, so if someone is, is in need of support and help, I know you've only got potentially six weeks, six around, how do people find you? Where are you? Okay, so Ferry Project is in a building called Octavia View, which is in the centre of West Beach. The whole idea there is that Ferry tries to raise its own income, so we've created this, this beautiful hub. It's a historic building, built in 1722, directly opposite Peckover House. Um, people can come there... And and we will help them with services. So, although Ferry Project's night shelter is shutting, it, all its services are not closing. The majority of Ferry Project will still stay open. Um, and we have a 24-bedded hostel that's occupied all the time, we're full. Um, and um, people can come there, and we will give them what support we can during the day. But the key here is the fact that people will be sleeping on the streets at night, and we haven't got any more space to put them. Okay, um, so... Your funding then, £60,000 is a lot to raise in six weeks. Absolutely. So, kind of, kind of prolonging it, how would, I mean, how would people be able to help you directly now? Let's say people are donating now. Right. What impact is that going to have on your total? I mean, if you have £5,000 before the city, yeah. how would that help? Well, 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 the whole idea is we're just going to keep the night shelter going as long as possible. So, 60000 pays for the whole year. So, if we get enough money to keep going for a week, we'll keep going for a week. And during that week, hopefully get some more money. And all the time, we're looking to other charities, other trust funds, um, agencies of all sorts, to try and come in and give us a permanent funding stream for it but anything that we get any amount will keep us open for one more minute one more hour one more day one more night and keep people off the streets and obviously the longer it goes the more hope there is because the more chance we've got of securing that bigger pot that final pot that will keep us going for a longer period of time so every penny counts every pound that people give will make a difference okay and your website once more so we okay to go. so it's www ferryproject or one word dot org dot uk fantastic thank you so much for coming in today uh, I, thank you. I wish you the best of luck with it thank all you. don't forget also that there are many homeless charities here also in cambridge you've got flack who have sadly announced yesterday that they are of course closing after the board of trustees decided that that's no longer viable um and of course there are other organizations out there as well but of course if you're in the local water beach area or you know anyone in that area that needs help do go and see them they are a fantastic charity thank you very much for coming in again thank you on 105 fm and online Cambridge 105 And that was physical by Olivia Newton-John and that's in honour of my guest Maggie Fordham. Hello Maggie. Hi Lee. I, I can hear you. I've got, <laughs> I've got the mic up this time. Hooray. <laughs> I'm uh, here. <laughs> good. Now Maggie I know you because every uh, Saturday morning you're putting me through my paces yes. in the kettlebell class. Yep. Um, which is a great, great workout. Just for people who don't know what a kettlebell is, perhaps you can just describe it to us, first of all. Okay, I think the best way to describe a kettlebell is it's like a cannonball. So it's a round, um, solid metal ball um, and with a handle. So it's not very big, but it's very, very heavy. And the ones we work with tend to be about eight kilograms. Yeah, eight kilograms would normally be the weight I would start somebody off um, with, particularly women, guys would start with a heavier weight but eight kilogram is a good weight to start with and we do all sorts with those kettlebells don't we swing them around our heads yep. throw them around our body i mean it's it's a great all-round workout absolutely it's amazing what you can do with kettlebells i'm when i start talking about them i just get completely passionate and um i could actually talk all day about them uh, um they just achieve so much their cardiovascular and their um resistance training as well and they just work the core like nothing else else which is just always a big area people want to to work on but their whole body and they're, they're just fantastic yeah and the core is very much the thing now isn't it that that if you can get your a strong core yeah y- it's good for everything isn't it yeah and the great thing about kettlebell is it tones your core without a sit up in sight but it's really functional and very very healthy for you because it really works the back of your body so it really strengthens your back um, and all the muscles going down the back of the legs uh, which often in typical programs people tend to neglect working the back a bit so it's really really great for that it's really all round and uh, charity green says why does uh, a ca- she ache so much after a kettlebell <laughs> workout like nothing else why is that it, it produces a very intense um sort of training stimulus uh, um so eight, eight kilograms is a significant weight to be actually swinging and obviously when you're swinging you're using your lower body not the arm strength it's the the lower body then the core's really engaged to stabilize it um but it hits muscles intensely that you just wouldn't normally get to use uh, um 
in a hard way. So it really hits the glutes in, in the buttocks and your hamstrings, back of the legs, uh, um, and which is great because it tones those areas perfectly then. I have to say, I have, without going into too much detail, because I'm sure listeners don't want that, <laughs> I have noticed a, sh- a change in the shape of my bottom. Absolutely. Since I know, it's fabulous. It's why I love them so much. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're a personal trainer when you're not swinging yes. uh, a kettlebell. How did you get into that? Um, I got into that, really, it was after having my three children. Um, so my third child was just still a baby. And I wanted to um, take a change in career because um, I wanted to be able to work from home and have much more flexible hours. And I'd always had to work very hard at losing a lot of baby weight um, after each of my children. And um, so I just got very motivated in terms of nutrition and exercise um, and just loved working with people. I'd spent about 10 years before that actually working um, in ministry work with a church um, responsible for um, the women's ministry, so taking care of sort of pastoral needs for the, the ladies and just always such a big thing for, for the women was um, self-esteem, self-discipline. Uh, um, so just, I had a lot of experience working with people. So you weren't going from being a couch potato to suddenly becoming a personal trainer? No, no. The ironic thing, though, was I was at Loughborough University for my degree. I did psychology. And um, so there, everyone either um, competes for England or they're at least a county player. And um, I was not a county player. And um, everybody was so fit and I was so not like them. And so I would go running at night in the dark because I just couldn't match any of them. (laughs) And what do you have to do to become a personal trainer? Um, Well, you would need to um, do a diploma in personal training, um, now there are so many different providers um, for um, fitness qualifications. It's become an incredibly popular field for people to work in. I, I trained 10 years ago and it was much more of a sort of a new thing at that stage. Um, so there's so many people you can go to now um, and different ways of studying it. Um, but yes, definitely you need a, at least a level three reps. Reps is the Register of Education, um, sorry, Exercise Professionals. Uh, um, so a level three qualification with them to be a certified personal trainer. Uh, um, and then once you've done that, you could just continue to study. I mean, it's like life. You're just always learning more and more. And how do you work? Are you attached to a gym or do you form personal contacts with people? Do you go to their houses? What, what does it work for you? Yeah, I've always gone for to people's houses. Um, like to do a lot of, lot of outside work with people. Um, never wanted to work in a gym I think I'd go crazy if I was just closed in behind walls yeah and you said outside work there and I know you do a lot in in parks yes and particularly buggy fit yes tell us about buggy fit yes buggy fit's brilliant it's um so it's an exercise exercise class for ladies who've just had um babies and so the baby is in the buggy baby stays in the buggy hopefully uh, um, and so it's a postnatal exercise class um, and we just meet in the park um, the, the mums don't need to worry about childcare. they can get out they can do their exercise and it's a fantastic way of them just being sociable and meeting other mums and being outside in the open getting fresh air um, and exercising safely because it's so tempting for mums to want to just you know whack back into it after a baby but they actually need to sometimes just be pulled back a little bit so it's great to just have some you know good instruction on that so do you use the buggies as like a, a weight are you pushing <laughs> them backwards and forwards how, do, how does it work no no it's more it's just the beauty that you can have baby with you in buggy and that um you know there's no childcare problems um we do uh, it's um a whole body workout based a lot around power walking so you would have be pushing the buggies um so we would be using that for cardiovascular work um and then we would stop and do um exercises at various posts um either using whole body weight or using resistance bands or maybe some medicine balls so different types of things just keep it interesting trees are great for doing press-ups against um benches are great for step-ups or straight arm plank you can do all sorts of things outside Uh, um and um it just depends on how the babies are in terms of how much walking you have to do sometimes you just have to keep them really distracted and keep them moving it varies from day to day well i was going to ask you about that yeah what happens if baby kicks off that's a great thing because everybody is mums with their, their their babies so it doesn't matter if anybody anybody cries if they need a feed if they need a nappy change we're all in it together and if it's um 
if it's not your baby this week crying, probably next week it will be. So it, it doesn't matter at all. So nobody ever needs to worry about, you know, they're, they're distracting or interfering with the class at all. Yeah. And I noticed at the kettlebell class that it's lots of women of a certain age. Yes. Do you think that's a market that's really grown now that suddenly, you know, women in their 40s, shall yes. we say, are suddenly realising, you know, I've, I've got to stop the rot now if I don't do something absolutely. about it now. Yes, absolutely. And I think... That is where kettlebell is such a phenomenal um, piece of fitness equipment because it's very simple. Um, anybody can have a kettlebell at home. It doesn't take up loads of space. You don't need to go to the gym for a really effective workout. And kettlebell, because it um, provides a high-intensity form of interval training, um, it means that you only need to do a short workout, about 20 minutes. And... Um, everybody today just seems to be so, so sort of time poor and the challenge is you know juggling home and work and um, and it's so easy to you know neglect oneself and that's where having a form of workouts that you can do really quickly but get a lot done in that time is is just the perfect solution so that's why it really works for um, the women that I work with because they tend to be busy they're working but they're, they're busy mums but they still want to take care of themselves and I think it's really important as a mum to do that to take care of yourself because otherwise life runs away with you and you've got no energy um, and also you know you're just not feeling like you're doing anything for yourself so um, it works beautifully but it needs to be supervised it's not something absolutely kettlebell needs to be su supervised because it's really important that you have correct technique um, you know because you are working with the weight and you're swinging it um, your your form your posture is really important just as if you're picking up a heavy weight off the ground you would you'd have correct technique so it's really important to have that instruction yeah well I'm going to ask you about half marathon in a moment but if okay. people want to learn more about buggy fit and kettlebell where should they go um, I have a website it's cambridgepersonalfitness.com so um, please you know do do look everything up on that it's got the buggy fit and kettlebell class information on there and just find out a bit more about me thanks Maggie well we'll come back to you in a moment Day Before You Came by ABBA and uh, I've got Maggie Fordham in the studio with me Maggie's a personal trainer so I wanted to ask you about the Cambridge Half Marathon yes. Maggie because I'm signed up to do that gulp <laughs> um, where should people's training be at this stage the marathon is on the 9th of March I think the Sunday the 9th I'm trying to yes. block out the day yes it's, it's two weeks oh, two weeks this weekend really? yes. yeah. okay. so where should people be up to in their training by now that's going to depend very much on the individual because obviously some people will be regular runners maybe they've done a half marathon before they've done several 10k races before and they're, they're familiar with it maybe somebody like yourself is doing the marathon, half marathon for the first time yep. so it's a complete new thing for you and you've had um, your training program for sort of probably the past three months yeah so where you would be at right now would be very different to someone who's maybe a more long-term runner um, someone who's um, used to running and has done this before would really be looking right now at their, their time they've probably got a personal best they've set already and they're just looking to you know improve on that uh, um whereas for yourself your goal is to, to finish get across that finishing yes, line and you'll be yeah. very happy with that uh, um so and really actually now in the last two weeks to be honest there's not um, much that anyone's going to do to radically change their fitness or to radically change maybe what time they're going to achieve um, and so right now is the time to in fact to start tapering back uh, um, and because the last thing you want to do leading up to your half marathon is to get an injury or to overtrain and to be sort of tired and, and not raring to go on the day so um, really at these last two weeks it's a sensible approach um, this weekend um, you would be doing um, uh, one of your last sort of longer runs but it's not as long as the maximum run you've done probably you would have done that about a couple of weeks ago um, and then in the last week before your um, before the half marathon you really want to cut the distance total distance that you run by 50% so um, so if you've managed um, maybe 12 miles before in the last week on the, the weekend before you would want to do no more than about six miles in your long run a um, couple of days before you're looking at just having a sort of a 20 minute easy pace run um, maybe um, about four days before you're looking at just doing sort of um, 
sort of easy pace um, interval with sort of threshold running, but only for about 30 minutes. Um, is, that, is that to give the legs time to rest? Yes, yes. When you do a long run, um, the recommended recovery time is really sort of about a day for every mile that you've done in your long run. So if you've done a 12-mile run, you're looking at least for 12 days for proper recovery before you do another long run. Obviously, you could do some recovery, easy recovery running in between. But um, So if you're going to be running your, your 13 miles or 13.1 miles on a half marathon day, you don't want to do a long run really for about two weeks before that. It feels counterintuitive because you, you sort of feel, I want to know that yes. my body can do this yes. nearer the time. But yes. but there is that time that your legs need just to restore themselves and recharge, I guess. A- absolutely. You you know, you'll use massive amount of energy when you're out there doing a long run. And with the repetitive um, process of the, the foot strike and running and the demand on the different muscles um, and your central nervous system, it needs time to recover. Uh, um, and um, I think we'll always become our, our own greatest enemy because we want to get out there and push it and actually we need to listen to our bodies and give them the chance to to heal and to recover and by doing that they get stronger uh, um, if you don't give them enough chance to heal then then you have an overtraining effect and they won't actually get stronger and on the day itself the, the marathon half marathon starts quite early what should you be doing on the dates on that morning and on the day before yes well so the day before you want to obviously be fueling your body and making sure that you're sufficiently hydrated um, but really what you want to do is just graze um, rather than have a, a big meal the night before. People often talk about carbo-loading so they can just really stock up their glycogen, their energy levels in the muscle um, ready for, for the um, exercise the next day. Um, but the last thing you want to do really is have a great big meal the night before and then go for a very long run the next day. So ideally just um, spread your food out through the day, graze and be focusing on having um, high carbohydrate type foods. Keep it low on the fats um, because they'll slow digestion and just a moderate amount of protein um, and then just um, drinking plenty during the day so that you're really hydrated um, and then the next morning you want to just make sure that again you have enough um, glycogen enough energy in your body because that gets depleted overnight so you're looking to have um, breakfast ideally about two to four hours before your race um, and you would want to have something about four to eight hundred calories worth um, so again keep a high carbohydrate something like a toasted bagel with low fat cream cheese and some tomato slices or porridge um, with maybe some yogurt and a piece of fruit um, I think actually now now, this is where um, it's really useful to um, experiment or just to check what foods you feel comfortable with. So this weekend, when, some, when, when you're going for a run, um, then try what breakfast you're going to have and see if that works for you about two hours before your run because you don't want to try anything new on the day of your race. So try it out now, basically. Oh, thank you very much, Maggie. That, uh, those tips, I'm going to enjoy the day before and the morning of. <laughs> I'm going to eat lots of carbohydrates and and bagel and cream cheese. Thank you very much for coming in. It's lovely to see a friendly face as I'm flying solo. And do you want to give us that website address again? Yes, it's cambridgepersonalfitness.com. And uh, thank you very much for having me here today. And best of luck with the half marathon. I know with all your training, you're going to do fantastic. Thank you, Maggie. From one till four. Afternoons with Becky Marcus. Right, I've got in contact with Kaylee. She's now standing on one leg, kind of holding her phone in the air so she has enough signal. Hello, Kaylee. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you very much. And you? Yeah, I'm all right, yeah. So, basically, you are in charge of the Cambridge uh, Gymnastics Academy, is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yes, boss lady. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you have a new cheerleading group that's about to start up. Yes, yes. Well, we've, um, we're currently, well, we're a gymnastics club that's opens uh, six days a week at the moment and that we are completely fit to birth. We have 330 members and then 270 on our waiting list. And we've decided to try and get some other children in, in a different route. And one of our coaches just happens to be a cheerleading coach and she's really enthusiastic to get a new session up. So we'll now be opening up seven days a week and we're going to be running cheerleading sessions on a Sunday morning which is very exciting so we're trying to kind of target 
five to 11 year olds for the first session, which will be 10.30 to 11.30. And then for the 11 plus age range, we'll be going from 11.30 to 12.30. So you really have so a... It's all he- very exciting. It's all very exciting. Sorry. And you can really, it can really be for anyone. So from five years on upwards, really. Is that correct? Yeah, yes, five, yeah, five plus basically. Yes, it's and it, you don't have to have any experience at all in cheerleading or gymnastics. So you can be a complete beginner, or if you've ever done some before, then that's absolutely fantastic. I mean, how the sessions run is it is heavily gymnastics based, so you will be learning different tumbles and balances and stunts and things like that, but also routines to music, which is the more cheer sort of side of things. So um, it kind of caters for. A, you know everybody in that sense and it's open to boys and girls it's not just for girls either it's not just yeah i'm going to throw a few pom-poms around which i think a lot of people think cheerleading is because at the end of the day it is very heavily gymnastics based and if anybody watches anything on youtube or anything like that they will see that is actually quite hard work doing cheerleading so it's a it's a good challenge for these children who need to uh put their energy to good use yeah because when i was visiting america a few years ago i had a go with my cousin and i couldn't believe but how much gymnastics they did she tried to get me to have a go at some and i completely failed miserably <laughs> so it's really yeah, it's, it's very hard <laughs> so really you can learn a new skill really i suppose can't you yeah well that's it and also it'd be a great way of introducing people that um introducing people to gymnastics um and you know we will take things at whoever's pace you know like i said you can be for complete beginner and then you can you know learn all the basics and then move it up to the harder skills um there's a real quite big a variation of abilities that we can cover during just one session anyway so it's open to all wow that's so cool so how um, what sort of numbers will be in each session will it be like 30 people or will it be a bit lower than that do you think yeah, it can be between 20 and 30 for the cheerleading session itself. Um, we, we haven't done the advertisement as such yet, and we've already got quite a big following um, from just from our gymnasts alone already. So um, we, we just wanted to kind of put it out there a little bit to kind of spread the word, because although, that we, like I said, we've got so many members already, we've never actually done any proper advertisement. And, um, and way forwards with our gym at the moment, we're currently based at um, North Cambridge Academy, which is absolutely fantastic. It's been, we've, they've allowed us to practically take over a hall there. But moving forwards, we are going to be moving into a dedicated facility this year, so we will be able to have trampolines and pits and... Uh, um, lots of other exciting stuff um, which will be available to the cheerleaders as well. Wow, that sounds great. So it really is a proper, proper academy. And where, whereabouts in Cambridge is that then? North Cambridge, you said? Yeah, it's in North Cambridge. So it's at North Cambridge Academy at the moment. Uh, that's the school that it's based at. Um, and we, we use the school gym there. So we don't use the sports centre. We're in the school gym and it's on the Arbury Road. And we're looking to move into, hopefully, um, an industrial unit on the uh, Cowley Road, um, which is a big warehouse that we're hoping to convert. We're actually just applying for a funded bit today, which is the deadline with British Gymnastics for 100,000. So we've got to keep fingers, toes and everything crossed. The, um, the council are fully backing us and so are the sports partnerships because we work inside the schools already locally. So um, it, we've got a big need to uh, cater for the children of Cambridge as such and adults. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Um, to be able to, uh, to offer a facility where we can really um, grow, grow the needs of the gymnasts. Yeah, so it really is kind of the right moment now to kind of get involved with the club and the academy and really because everyone's going to be able to benefit from all this new funding that's hopefully going to come in. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, like, we started off on a really good foot anyway. We opened up in 2012, the year of the Olympics, and Lewis Smith came and opened up our gym and it uh, created a massive hype. I mean, when um, Lewis Smith was on the BBC with the Olympics, whenever they were showing a bit of something about him, they kept on putting on our club when he did the opening for it, which was great for publicity in that sense. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's really, the gymnastics at the moment is just going through the roof. I think the likes of Beth Tweddle and Lewis Smith have um, really done it justice of what they've done in the media as such. Yeah, because it's really... And- Yes, it's really turning into quite a cool, popular sport now, isn't it? Yeah, and we've also got a huge, um, huge following of boys. We've actually got that many boys now that we have one night a week, which is just 
boys only. So no girls allowed, which the boys <laughs> seem to like a lot. <laughs> so it's not it's not um, just for the girls. Age. It's not just the no, girls. No, definitely yeah. not. Okay, no, so definitely not. So the uh, chairleading group is starting, and that will be on Sunday mornings. And how can yep, people and get? It starts from this. Sorry, it starts from this Sunday. Um, so, and the first session is completely free because it's a taste session. Um, and if people want to get in contact, then they can either call um, my number directly, which is zero seven nine seven one eight six four six five three, or they can email the club, which is info at cambridgegymnastics.co.uk and the website if, if you just wanted to find the website is um, www.cambridgegymnastics.co.uk Okay so that's this Sunday morning free taster session mm-hmm. for the cheerleading group that sounds lovely yep. thank you so much Kaylee, for coming in there and talking to us I know you kind of got thrown in that's at the last right. minute there Okay <laughs> that's absolutely fine Our pleasure Okay so I've got the, right. I've got the um, information so I'll um, put that out in there mm-hmm. later on in the show thank you very much Kaylee, for that That's alright can I just also mention um, that if they do want to have a space that they do need to get in contact so they can't just really turn up on the day because I need to make sure that we've got um, enough spaces available for them Okay so you need to email Kaylee or you can phone her yep. and that's how you can get in contact with that. Thank you very much Kaylee.